1: Hey, once again, welcome to the show. And once again, I'm very happy to have my one of my favorite wrong thinkers, Gary Welsh, joining me today. Hi, Gary. Hi,
2: Brian. I always look forward to Tuesday and I would, I would wish you a happy Thanksgiving, but it seems like our government <laughs> officials have decided to cancel Thanksgiving on us. So, I,
1: you know, I, I, I have an article here in front of me. This is from the Foundation for Economic Education. And the headline says, Absurd Thanksgiving Guidelines Reveal an Astonishing Level of Government Overreach. And here's the subheadline. When we get to the point where individuals find it natural for government to tell us how to take turns eating our Thanksgiving turkey... A pandemic is the least of our concerns.
2: Talk about details. I mean, really getting down into your life, delving deep into it of saying, yes, here's how you're going to eat together and take turns at the table. I mean, look, I,
1: when when I, I drove up to Idaho this last weekend, had a little pre Thanksgiving dinner with with my mom just because I, I knew that uh, she was anxious to see family. And every bit of the way through Salt Lake City, you know what I'm talking about? The big billboards, the, the dot billboards that normally warn of traffic hazards. They were all stay home, wear a mask, help doctors, small gatherings. And it was like, wow, I just get this feeling there's this full court press. But here's the kicker, Gary. I'm not convinced that there's any kind of moral authority or, for that matter, even science behind all those exhortations.
2: And one of the things that I always talk about is don't believe the press per se that you always have to realize that there is this agenda behind what they wanted to do. And sometimes what they are doing in the press is an indicator that the things are not going the way that they say they are. And these full court press that they're doing right now to you know tell everybody wear masks, don't gather together, don't have Thanksgiving and all these things. Are indicators that they're seeing all of these signs that says that their people are finally saying, uh, eh, forget you. We're, we're going to do whatever we want to do, anyways." Yeah, I mean, some people
1: would just chalk it. I've had people tell me, "You and your childish obsession with freedom," and it's like, really, yeah. it's a, that's a childish obsession. I don't know. I just, there, to, to me, it's a matter of recognizing that there are legitimate limits on government power, and in this case. I just can't help but but feel that government is overstepping its bounds in a big way. Case in point, what do you think the, the level of compliance is in terms of wearing masks in public in, in Utah, for instance?
2: I would say minimal. I, I don't even think it hits the 50 percent ratio right now. Really? Because, you know, maybe I, maybe I'm
1: just not running in the right circles I don't get out and about a ton, but when I go to the grocery store or I go to Walmart or Costco, I'm betting that I see 85, 90 percent of people wearing masks. Which I'm guessing that the compliance rate is actually pretty high. Uh, Seeing somebody unmasked, I believe, is is, you know, more of the aberration. But my point is, if masks are all that, then why do the numbers continue to go up? And, And for me, the obvious answer is, well, because it's a virus, And it's doing what viruses do. But uh, but apparently, you know, governments. Well, if that didn't work, then we just need to do it twice as hard and with more penalties.
2: And, And you bring up a very good point, which is we're seeing a lot of spikes, not only here in Utah, where you and I are at, but in you know other states, too. They're seeing all of these really big spikes coming up. And the question that everybody should be asking is why? Because. You said these government actions were necessary to prevent these spikes from happening. And yet here we are in November. And, and, and we talked about this, like, I think it was about two weeks ago where we talked about this. Your normal flu season ends in may. Now this is a very strong flu virus. It's a very deadly flu virus and it it is a little different, but make no mistake. Its characteristics on how it multiplies, how it acts, how it reacts with the body is a typical flu virus. It is of that genre of of viruses where it is not very different from the flu in that by May, it should have died out like every other flu virus. Now it mutates and comes back again in a different form. But that's not what we're seeing. We are seeing the original virus still go around. And the question is, why are we seeing this in November?
1: Right. Well, and, you know, I'm, I'm going back to this article. This is from Kerry McDonald from the Foundation for Economic Education. Um, do you realize there are public health officials right now advising you need to mask up between your bites of turkey and pumpkin pie? Yes. And don't chant. And don't say and don't talk loud. And if possible, do everything outside and, you know, have your windows open and ventilation. And it's like, well, my goodness, why don't we just wrap ourselves all in saran wrap and be done with it?
2: But that's that's just the way it works is is if you start. I, there's an old story like, you know, if you want to if you want to take over and become a tyrant, you know, you walk into a crisis and then just start issuing orders and then when people start obeying you just start issuing more and more orders. And eventually everybody's just following along and you're in charge. And this is exactly what government is doing. And what happens is they got you to bide on all of these other things. And now they're just cranking it up of, all right, let's see how much we can do. Um, you know, husbands and wives don't kiss each other. Let's, let's see how far we can take this thing before you guys just, you know, say, hey, that's enough.
1: Right. Well, John Miltimore says, look, Viruses are bad, but you know what's worse? Mass fear. And I think that's that's why we speak up. That's why we say what we're saying. This is not just a matter of, hey, government's an easy target. Let's punch on it for a while. It's because this this is very destructive. This mindset is taking us to places that uh, we may not really want to go. But few people seem to be thinking clearly and independently about what the likely path or trajectory is if you follow all of these mandates or if you allow people to assume that kind of control over your life.
2: And so to your point, I would say there is that part of it where we are seeing compliance, like with the mass, because they do believe it. They they believe the rhetoric. And and I'm. I'm not one of those individuals that are even arguing it. I, don't, I think it's a mute point of whether or not masks are effective. That's, that's the wrong argument to have. The, wrong argue, the right argument to have is, is it necessary for our government to mandate masks? Because the way I look at it is, is this. I am pretty sure that I got COVID. I'm, I'm pretty sure I caught it in the very early stages. And so from my perspective, I'm immune and I cannot infect anyone. But I still would wear a mask. Why? Because if you saw me without a mask, that would cause apprehension on your part. And I'm that I'm that type of individual that says, look, I don't want to cause you any undue fear or approbation or anything like that. I will just wear a mask to make you feel comfortable. And it doesn't bother me because it's a minor inconvenience. But the government mandate for masks, that's where it gets different. Same with vaccinations. You don't if you say, Gary, you should get a vaccination fact, I'm going to go down and get a flu vaccination because I do every year. I'm not one of those guys that are paranoid about vaccinations. But you tell me I have to get one. Then all of a sudden I'm saying, no, that's no, a no, different no.
1: story. No. I And I, I really believe it needs to be something that people freely choose or choose not to embrace. And I, I'm much the same way. I don't I don't care if somebody wants to wear a mask because it makes them feel more secure. By all means, do it. But but I have serious heartburn about the idea that, you know, not only does the state need to mandate it, but they need to back it up with fines and and threats. And sadly, this is falling, I think, hardest on businesses. I talked last week about uh, how um, I became aware that uh, the health department is actually sending spies informants into businesses to check and see are the employees wearing their masks worse. They're checking to see are the employees getting after customers who may not be masked. And threatening to find them if they're not acting as enforcers. That seems like overreach.
2: So when we come back from the break, let's actually talk about that of effectiveness of voluntary compliance versus mandated compliance. Yeah.
1: Kind of like the difference of what we saw in, uh, where was it, Sweden? And I believe Norway and Finland as well. None of them locked down. None of them had serious, uh, you know punitive mandates and yet uh, they have all weathered the covid storm about as well as it can be weathered
2: better than us
1: yep no worse no worse than their lockdown neighbors and and in many cases better in the sense that they're not uh, burdened by a bunch of economic baggage at this time because they didn't shut down their economy who knows maybe there's a lesson in there for us (laughs) all right gary welch is my guest we'll be back just the other side of these messages
0: The Brian Hyde Show. This is the Brian Hyde Show. Hey, once again, welcome back to the show.
1: My guest is fellow wrong thinker Gary Welch. And yes, we are talking about the COVID response. Now, Gary, as, as great as it is to to complain about this, you know, I like to complain about it. But we also want to talk about solutions and 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 maybe uh, even a little justification of why it's okay to question when government does things that, uh, that it shouldn't. In this case, I really think we're seeing abuse of power. And, and the big question on my mind is why don't more people recognize it as abuse? Is this just a function of fear clouding their thinking?
2: This actually is a is a part of a much larger situation that I think that we who are what I would classify as politically awake, and especially those who are politically active, have this mistaken belief in the American voting system. And that that big mistake that everybody makes is that the average voter, not not the really dedicated political types. But that the average voter, which is about 90 percent of them, if you want to categorize it, really doesn't know, really doesn't care. How they you know the way they vote, the things that they act upon and the things that they do, it is not a big deal to them. It, it, it doesn't register on that level of of threat like it does to you and I, because this is that whole awake kind of experience. I see it. You don't. I'm aware of it. You're not. I'm concerned about it. You're not. That there really is a lot of people out there that either don't care or just don't know. And and we try to get them to understand. And, and there's a part of me that says that that is a wasted endeavor. And I know that sounds very negative, but I always tell everybody it's not the 90 percent that you have to work with. It's the 10 percent who are. These are the people who are going to write the letters, go after their congressmen, who, who are going to vote religiously, who are going to be active in campaigns and things like that. you got to just get that 10 percent to be aware or, or to take action. OK. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. What, what I need to, to understand, though, is how do we um, get past that disconnect between people and, and government? And I think it's getting worse, frankly. I mean, you know, with it, without uh, stumping too much on, you know, all the election nonsense that's been going on. Um, I, I think the 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 lack of legitimacy or the, the decline in legitimacy of government in the minds of, of uh, many Americans, like tens of millions of Americans, I don't think it's ever been stronger.
2: Right. And so... That's actually pretty cool because you're opening up a a much bigger picture by going down this path, which is this just this. Um, A lot of people think that the American Revolution was one about these lofty goals and really big principles. And the reality of it is when you look at the writings that were going on at the time when they were writing in that time frame of, of what they were doing and what they were thinking and why they were doing the things they were doing, the number one thing that comes out is frustration. It wasn't like we want to fight for liberty and we want to create rights for men and all that, because none of that was even in their minds at that time. There was no constitution in a United States per se. That this moment in time, they were looking at maybe individual colonies revolting together to throw off it. But it was this frustration. And they talked a lot about the incompetence, the the egotistical attitude of you are just colonists. Go away. Don't bother us. Why do we want to be concerned about you? And that whole attitude that these these rulers had, that that's really what started. The revolution was they came to the realization, which is what we need to do, in that those people who are in charge, they're inept, they're incompetent, they're idiots, they're, they're egotists, they're abusers. They they want power, but they don't have the ability or the, the, the um, personal characteristics to be good leaders. They're just after the power. And more importantly, they do not care about you. And I think that that's a mindset that we have to start perpetuating. And this is why I say, don't argue about mass. Don't argue about the viruses. Argue about the government actions that they're taking, like COVID. Did it work? Did it do what they said it was going to do? Did it have the impact that it had? And here we are in November saying, nope, nope, you didn't do it. You messed up. That's what we got to start perpetuating is these guys are messing up. They always mess up. Why are we giving them power?
1: Right. No, I. that's that's the question that, well, I wish more people would would find the, the courage to ask. And and I don't I don't know how how to break through that, because, you know, it, it seems like something that it would take to, to get people to to. In in the words of one of my favorite callers, Rob, Rob, here's a shout out to you. You know, when are people going to wake up? I don't want to just scare them. I don't want to have to use hyperbole or shocking, sensationalized content to try to wake them up. I want to try to persuade them. Look, it's in your interest to look at this. But um, I don't know. I think the fear has rendered a lot of people uh, immune to, to those kinds of facts.
2: Well, that's what the wrong thinkers is all about, is awakening the 10 percent. And it's not so much even awakening the 10 percent is saying, "Okay, we, the 10 percent that are awake, that are aware and that are willing to do the things necessary to make change happen. What can we do? And it's within that realm. That's who I'm speaking to all the time. I really don't. I don't want to say I don't care about the average voter, but I'm not too concerned about them because they're so disconnected from what is happening. They see a 30 second commercial and that's it. And that's what they believe. You know, these are the guys that vote for the rhinos. And, you know, we vote for Mitt Romney because we know his name, even when he's the most lousiest senator candidate that was on the on the ticket. You know, that's just who they are, and what they are. And we have to live with that and accept it. That's who they are. But there is this ten percent where we can do things, do the type of things where we can take these actions. And 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 we talked about it last Tuesday. I still think it's a very big issue. Focus on local elections and focus on nullification and getting taking this ten percent and saying, Okay, you run as a candidate in the city government, you run as a candidate for a county commissioner, you run as a candidate for the state legislature, and all of these people have this same mindset. and the supporters and everyone, we all get behind them and say, let's do that. And, and I always say this. Give me the give the right kind of people in control of the city, county and state legislatures. You could put Karl Marx as president and all his buddies in Congress, and we will still be a much freer, much more prosperous nation than we are now.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I want to see those problems solved at the lowest possible Level now the fly in the ointment on that one, and and we've seen this here in the state of Utah is oh those federal dollars they are so inviting, and and I mean Gary Herbert extended the state of emergency just a few weeks back because he wanted to keep continuing getting those federal emergency you know funding dollars, um, you know I I don't know how you how you break that kind of thing other than you know clean out the clean out the manure and and put some fresh straw down so to speak.
2: My operative word is patience. Okay. It, it it that's the that is kind of a fly and open. You have to be patient. You have to be willing to take time. And here's the thing: the socialists were good at that. They 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 were willing to wait 100 years to get their their cause, you know, fully fomented. They were willing to do that. They knew that going into it in 1913. We're not going to have it's not going to happen in our lifetimes. But that willingness to be patient and let it run its course has put them in where the position that they are now. We need to have that same kind of patience when we come back from the break.
1: I want to pick your brain about uh, about just how big is the threat that uh, that we are facing as as a country. And and I'm going to get into some election stuff here. I know that, uh, you know biden taking office there there are a lot of people saying oh this is going to be a game changer they're already making lists of the people who supported trump and the you know the camps are being made up you know to re-educate them and so forth Um, i want to see how you feel about that can we talk about that on the on the backside of this break
2: please
1: okay we'll be back right after this
0: this is the brian hyde show This is The Brian Hyde Show.
1: All right, welcome back to the show. Gary Welch is my guest. We are deep in wrong think right now. So, Gary, I feel pretty safe going after this topic. So, uh, you know, the media... And and certain political circles have already uh, they have already uh, basically coronated uh, Joe Biden, the office of the president elect. I mean, there's there's kind of a Muppet show going on right now that tells us this thing's a done deal. I personally don't think that it's a done deal till the Electoral College has done its part. The vote has been certified and so forth. And it's not because I'm holding out that Trump has to win. I'm just saying they're 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 a little Premature. The cart seems to be before the horse. But I have to ask you, how seriously do you take the the threat posed by a Biden presidency? I look at some of the people who uh, uh, allegedly Biden is, is considering for, you know, cabinet nominations and whatnot. And it looks like he's positioning himself for a pretty hardcore power grab. What are what are your thoughts?
2: So let's go take a look back at the last two Democrat presidents which was Obama and Clinton, do you feel that either or both were able to pretty much have their own way? No, not, not entirely.
1: In fact, at the risk of, of being a heretic, can I tell you, I actually look back on the days of the Clinton presidency and, and, and with a bit of longing, like, ah, oh, my freedoms felt more secure under Bill Clinton than they do now, than they did under George W. Bush in some ways. And it's in part because they didn't get their way entirely. There were some things they got. I remember, you know, that's when when the big push to nationalize health care and, and, and Clinton care. You know, Hillary was trying to push that clear back in, what, 93, 94. Right. It didn't happen. Yeah. Well, it didn't happen until Obama <laughs> took office and then we got it in, in 2010. But, no, your your point is well taken. The president doesn't have a blank check. They don't have absolute power but I'm also looking at this from the standpoint of if the election system itself is prone to being gamed, and I really think it is, I, i, I I'm not saying I know for a fact that uh, there was this much fraud and this is why the election appears to have gone the way that it went. But the same people who have spent the last four and a half years doing everything in their power to remove Donald Trump from power, I don't think that uh, they suddenly became you know, model citizens and set aside their uh, their ambitions and decided to let this thing play out safely and securely and fairly. That just doesn't make sense to me.
2: I think it's an awful shame that with all the technology and with all the capabilities that America has, that we cannot secure the most precious thing we have, which is the right to vote and have a good vote, a vote that represents what the people actually did. You know, these Dominion machines that we see going around the mail-in voting process that they currently have. And I'm not saying that they are bad, per se. I'm, I'm not opposed to technology. I'm not opposed to doing diff- things differently. But when it is obviously flawed, when it is obviously showing that it can be manipulated, and they let it go. And here is the hardest thing for everybody to hear, and I am sorry to be the one to tell you this. But that comes with the wrong thinker hat that I wear. Okay, And that is this. Both sides want a fraudulent voting system, just like both sides want a big government. Because you, you, okay, Biden, you got away with it this time, but we're going to take those dominion machines next time. And we are going to, to perpetuate the fraud and get our guy in. Recognize that we have we have a third world type corruption in our government right now, and we have to recognize that, that they are manipulating elections, that they are committing crimes, that they are doing immoral and illegal acts, that they are violating our rights, that they are stomping all over us. That, to me, is like the height of corruption in our government. And um, it's it's got to be solved By having somebody stand up and say, no, and right now, again, I I hate telling the Republicans this, but your party is just as much involved with it as the Democrats. I'm sorry, but deep down inside, you know, I'm telling you the truth. Well, and
1: just to reinforce, you know, how do you know he's telling the truth? I have two words for you. Mitt Romney. (laughs) There you go. I mean, that's is Mitt Romney a mainstream Republican or not? The answer is yes, he, he's very much so. Now, I don't look at Trump as, you know, he is the political savior who is going to, you know, save our country. And I don't mean any offense to those who do put a lot of stock in him. Um, I th- I do think that the Republican Party probably needs Trump more than he needs the Republican Party. And uh, there will likely be a parting of ways, I guess, when the dust settles from all of, you know, what's going on right now. And Trump, I think, is going to take a pretty sizable um, faction of the American voting public with him. But there's a part of me that says, but maybe that doesn't really matter as much as we think. If the system can be gamed by those who count the votes or those who report on the votes, I I don't trust the media in the least. And I'm grateful to see that uh, the faith in the media, including Fox News, is dropping like a stone. I think that's actually a good thing, And it makes me hope that uh, maybe it portends a time when people will think a little more clearly and independently about uh, about the information that they're they're accessing to, you know, learn what the world is around them.
2: So we have to. So like with a Joe Biden presidency, it can be a good thing. And, And everybody's going, what? What are you talking about, Gary? How can that ever be a good thing? And that is if someone like Biden with his agenda and Kamala with her agenda and what they have going on. If that creates within the 10% of those who are politically aware, a, a, the capability to give us the, the motivation to go out there and say, okay, that's enough. We're stopping this. And we put up that resistance. That's the thing is we got to, put up that resistance to say, no, you're not going to get away with this. We are going to stop you. That, to me, would be a very good thing in this country, and that starts the reform. That starts the change. I just am not very confident that the GOP, based upon what I saw during the Obama um, regime, I'll call it that, I just don't see them doing it.
1: Well, I'm. I have to wonder if this election is going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back, and in in many ways, uh, breaks that trust, what remains of that trust between the American public and Washington D.C. And I know that sounds Correct. cynical. I know that sounds like, oh, Brian. Well, what would happen if people didn't trust Washington D.C. And and I'm like, best case scenario, maybe the states. And cities and communities would withdraw their support and start solving problems on their own without turning to Washington, D.C. with their hat in their hand, saying, please, may we do this?
2: So to promote your book, Embrace Capitalism, it actually talks about that in that we should have a healthy, distrust of government. But more importantly, We should have just a realistic view of who they are. And it's just what I got back with the founding fathers of what they saw government as. And that is these guys are no smarter than us. They're not better than us. Human beings as a whole, we are absolutely horrible about predicting the future. There are no, no people out there that is clairvoyant and has that ability to predict the future. And we're horrible at it. So why give them power at that, why well, say well they're better at that? That you should control my life. That we should have that healthy distrust, and more importantly, a trust with ourselves. I think that's the biggest thing: is we don't trust ourselves.
1: No, agreed. We've uh, we've outsourced that. Let somebody else take care of it. And, and unfortunately, for those who are, um, uh, I'll use the word awakened rather than woke those who are paying attention are starting to realize wow the trade off here is that we have very little say in in too many areas of our life to the point where as we illustrated at the beginning of the show you you literally have authorities who are telling you this is how you should eat your thanksgiving dinner and 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 a lot of people are okay with it all right (laughs) masks on everybody till the taters are done or whatever
2: and if I tell everybody your government is incompetent, I'm not thinking like 90 percent are going to come back and say, Gary, you're wrong. Just the opposite. I think 90 percent are going to come back and say, yeah, you're right. They are incompetent. OK, if they're incompetent, why are they in charge? Would you do that in anywhere else? Or would you, you know, would you do that at at your church or would you do that in your store or your work or something like that? And will say, yeah, let's let's have the incompetent people in charge,
1: man. I know, I know it's probably just nostalgia, and I'm probably not even remembering it right, but it seems like times were simpler. And I'm not a big fan of uh, whatever uh, difficulty level we're living at today. I'd like to go back to one of the easier times, if such a thing actually existed. But I think we have to make that choice to go there ourselves. Nobody is going to lead us there. we got to take a quick break. Gary Welch is my guest. We will be back just the other side of these messages.
0: is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. All right, we are back engaging
1: in wrong think with uh, my fellow wrong thinker, uh, Gary Welch. And And Gary, I appreciate that I get to pick your ample brain each week. I think you've got some great answers. I think you've got some some really solid ideas about where our focus can be. We're not helpless. So nobody should mistake this for all oh, you guys. Listen to you bleating like sheep. Somebody come save me. We're not helpless. But I'm sure frustrated. And, and part of it stems from uh, the fact that uh, the government is, I think, largely unresponsive, that uh, that it's so easy for it to play on fears to get people to fall into line. It's it's a little frustrating, too, that so many of our our fellow citizens are are, um, easily manipulated. I don't think they're dumb. I don't think they're evil. I just think they have uh, underestimated how easy it is to have your your chains yanked and and be stampeded in a predictable direction.
2: Yeah. You know, before I answer that, there was just as you were talking, it just kind of came to mind is we should probably do uh, like a a video of, of the show. And, and let everybody listen into to the conversations that you and I have during the breaks. I mean, there's some lively conversation that goes on. If you think the show's good, you should see what happens during the breaks, because me and Brian were going back and forth about this. And that's just the whole thing about government mandates, you know, this, that, that the government is going to get better results than what we would do on our own. And they use things like fear and like, well, everybody's going to disobey it and everybody's going to do this and you're going to it's going to kill you or it's going to cause this problem. They, they use these kinds of things to get you into that pattern and saying, OK, well, we'll turn it over to you and you guys will run things. But I think COVID is like the most. It is the best example of government doing something wrong and the tragic consequences that come out of that. And, and where I'm going with this is just this. What if they would have said, here's this disease. It's very deadly. Here's what we know about it. We think you guys should social distance. We think you guys should wear masks. We think that you should limit your gathering. But we just want to tell you about it. no mandates. No, that's we're just going to do that. My point is is what covid proved was that the mandates probably didn't have any more difference than had they just done that cuz the same people who were out there that weren't wearing masks or weren't social distancing or that were gathering and all that stuff still did it anyways your mandates didn't accomplish what you said it was going to accomplish which was to stop this disease from spreading which only occurs in your ego driven mind delusional mind i might add at that that says, yes, I'm all powerful and I can stop diseases because I'm in the government. And I told them so I told COVID, don't you dare spread COVID. And I have that power. It didn't make a difference, Brian.
1: No. And I, I saw, I think it was uh, Tom Woods posted a, an email earlier today. Anti-COVID measures don't work. So that's your fault. And and he gives right. the example of he says, remember when the CDC credited masks for bringing down cases In Arizona, he says, when they say ridiculous things like this, they give the green light to people who want to blame their neighbors for rises in cases. Well, since we know masks work, the rise in cases must be because of you stupid anti-science people who refuse to wear them. Even though mask compliance is as high as ever, he says, these pro-science people just know it can't be because they know masks at the very least go a long way towards solving the problem. And then he shows a graph. And and it shows, you know, that that first huge spike in cases, this would have been back, I, I'm guessing, around April, May. And this is where the mask mandates came in. And then it went way, way down. And that's where the CDC says, well, see, masks brought the curve down. But the mask mandates still are around. And now that curve is right back up where it was before um, and going higher. And the CDC is completely silent. So how about that? He says, could it be that the masks didn't bring the curve down after all that these curves seem to do more or less the same thing no matter what? And you're seeing this apparently in one blue state after another that supposedly followed the science. They're still seeing a rise in cases and all their people can do is blame their neighbors. Well, it's because you're not wearing your mask or you're not doing the right thing. So if the science isn't working, I guess the the bottom line is that means someone somewhere must not be sciencing.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> go figure that one, right? He says, I wonder who that is.
1: And I love this, this comment. He says, I guess by an odd coincidence, people in Arizona and Rhode Island must have chosen the exact same moment to stop sciencing. Or virus is going to virus. We're seeing the same thing here in Utah. People screaming at their neighbors to wear masks. But it's had a clear and
2: unmistakable effect. The cases are still going up. And, and it is it's a, just a scenario where it is demonstrating that what they did was actually worse than what all of the other options that were out there. And that's what I always point out, to, is that these guys really it's not only that they are not smarter than you, but in a lot of cases they're they are actually worse than their private sector equivalent. And where I will really go to that is in the science community. These, these epidemiologists that are working for the government, that is not the cream of the crop, folks. That's the leftovers that the big labs like Abbott and Lilly and all those other guys, they snatched up all the good ones, and whoever was left over went into the government service, and that's typical of government service. That is just the way it is. So for them to sit there and say, this is what we're going to, and it was flawed from the very beginning, That's really what bothers me is because if they really wanted to stop this disease, there was one way where they could have done it and it would have been effective and it would have worked. And that is all of us sequestered in our homes for three months. Wow. You might have had a shot at it at stopping. I would have think, I think that that would have worked. I could feel very comfortable in saying that would have killed, that would have stopped it because it would have broke the chain. But they knew they couldn't do that. So, what did they say? They said, Well, we're going to limit gatherings, but we're all going to let you go to Walmart. You know, when you did, when you opened that door and created that, it basically the whole thing broke down at that point. You know, you can't go to church, but you can go to Walmart. Um, you can go to restaurants now, and we're going to open that up, or we're not going to do this, we're going to do that. That whole thing of like, Well, we have to do these things, so we're going to open it up but we still think this is going to work. Like, what were you thinking? That was, that was idiotic to think that was, that would work. And if you really did believe that, that makes you worse than if you knew it wasn't going to work, but you just did it to just to show you have power. I would rather accept that because at least you're aware of something. Whereas if you were a complete moron (laughs) and said, Oh yeah, this thing is really going to work. That troubles me even more.
1: So where do we go from here? We're down to about two minutes left in in the show, Gary. If you would go ahead and you know just solve all of our problems,
2: there you go. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm, I'm on my soapbox. <laughs> I'm going to take advantage of it.
1: No, there there are some solutions though that are, that are being overlooked, and and not all of them have to do with COVID. Not all of them have to do strictly with politics, but they they all have something to do with understanding that there is a proper legitimate role for government and there are improper and illegitimate things that government may be asked to do if you can't draw that distinction or if you're uncertain that doesn't mean you're dumb and it doesn't mean that you know you you need to go stand in the corner it just means that maybe it's time to bolster that knowledge and and remember That when it comes to to making those decisions in your life, nobody is better qualified. Nobody has the information you have to make the decisions about what is best for you and yours. Central planners can't do it. And that is that is to me the, the epitome of big governments failing is a very small elite group of people try to make decisions for everybody else thinking they have the expertise or they have the authority or they have the knowledge to do it. History has shown us they don't. So that's a responsibility we have to take ourselves.
2: And as wrong thinkers, we need to be strategic about our approach. So this is kind of a, if you guys are getting me tired of me saying this all the time, uh, let's start doing it. Stop arguing about the mass. Stop stop arguing about covid. Start arguing about inept and, and bad government decisions because people are still afraid. They're not going to accept your argument about mass. They're not going to accept your argument. Yes, you're right. But they're not willing to accept that. But if you say we have an inept government, they're going to go. Yeah, you're right. We do start pointing that out and start building that that case that these guys are inept and they're wrong and they killed a lot of us because of their bad decisions.
1: Okay, I want to invite everybody, go to my website, thebryanhideshow.com. You will find the show notes with lots of great links to the articles we discuss. You're also going to find the ability there to subscribe to the podcast so you can listen at your own leisure. You can also become a patron and supporter of this show. And Gary, I thank you for joining me once again. Have a very happy Thanksgiving.
2: The non-Thanksgiving, you mean? Because we're not supposed to have one.
1: Have a great super spreader event. That's what I meant to say.
0: (laughs) This is The Brian Hyde Show.